Well, let's look at Matthew chapter 2, Matthew uh, chapter 2, and we're going to begin reading in uh, verse 1. Just want to share a message entitled Gold, Frankincense, and Myrrh out of uh, Matthew chapter 2. Ah, what happened to our thing? All right. I might want to turn it off and turn it back on, see if it comes up. Anyway, it's just a picture of three wise men riding camels. Amen. <laughs> All right, Matthew chapter uh, 2. It says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For he have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, Now Bethlehem and the land of Judah are not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come forth a governor that shall rule my people Israel. And then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. And when they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they, were, uh, when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream uh, that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be together this morning. Uh, Lord, as we prepare our hearts really to, to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, I pray that you would uh, just uh, speak to each of us in a special way in reference to uh, these gifts that the wise men brought to Christ. Uh, may we understand what they represent and what it means and how it impacts our life, Lord, when we think about the gifts we bring to the Lord. I'm thankful, Lord, for the gift of salvation that has been offered to us through faith in Christ and Christ alone. And I'm thankful that Jesus came into this world to be the Savior of the world. And Lord, we would pray that if there's someone here this morning who's never been saved and never been born again, I pray they might respond to the invitation to receive Christ as their personal Savior. And pray for every believer that we might rejoice in the many things that God has done for us uh, as we celebrate this Christmas season, as we celebrate the gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And so, Lord, speak to our hearts in a great way this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Our text verse is verse 11. It says, And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Gold and frankincense and myrrh. 
Uh, seems like Christmas gets on us, uh, comes up a lot faster every year. I can't believe that Christmas is only a week away. And it's amazing how quickly things, uh, well, it seems like the years go by. But Christmas is a great time of expressing our love for each other and certainly expressing our love for Christ. You know, Christmas is about God sending his son in this world, uh, demonstrating his love to us that we might be able to be saved and know that a God in heaven who created us cares for us. The world is constantly trying to eliminate the reality of what Christmas is all about. They want to take Jesus out of the picture when it comes to Christmas, but yet Christmas is about Christ. If there is no Christ, there is no Christmas. And so we, we can learn from these wise men as they come uh, to express worship unto their God, uh, worship unto the King of Israel, Jesus Christ. They come by expressing it with these gifts. So I want to think about these gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh this morning. And here's some thoughts. First of all, we need to see how these wise men, how they were led to Jesus Christ. Notice that they, there was a heavenly observance. And because the heavenly observance of the star that was in the sky, it caused them to follow the star to go to the place where Jesus was. And so it was a heavenly observance. It wasn't just a secular thing that took place. It was a heavenly thing that took place. And so when we think about Christmas, I think we ought to consider uh, what we ought to be observing in the heavens. We ought to be observing the reality of the return of Christ, uh, looking forward to that time when we'll be present with the Lord. And see, these wise men were just not moving based on secular information, but rather by a heavenly observation. I see also that they were personally conscious. Uh, in other words, they were aware. Uh, they had a longing in their heart to be able to find this person who is prophesied of to be born king of the Jews. And so the longing that was in their heart was to see Jesus Christ. I often think so many times that around Christmas time, what really is the longing of our heart? Uh, what is the desire of our heart? Is it to have an encounter with God? Is it to be able to experience a move of the Spirit of God in our life? Uh, these wise men had a conscious awareness, personally, each one of them, of the deep longing in their hearts to be able to see this miracle, the Son of God who would come into this world. So it was a heavenly observant. It was a personal conscience, but it was a spiritual confidence also. A spiritual confidence because of the fact they were in pursuit of the Savior. Uh, they wanted to find this one that was stated that he would save his people for their, from their sins. And they knew, they understood they needed a savior. And uh, man uh, needs to worship God and surrender his life to the Lord at Christmas time with a spiritual confidence that God is not willing that any should perish. And if God is not willing that any should perish, then at Christmas time I ought to have a spiritual confidence that as we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, we are assured of the fact that God can still save people and deliver their soul. And so there was a spiritual confidence that these wise men had. The offering of their gifts literally was a fulfillment of Bible prophecy. In Psalm 72 and 9 and 10, it says this, that they dwell in the, in the wilderness, shall bow before him, and his enemies shall lick the dust. 
the kings of Tarshish and of the isles shall bring presents. The kings of Sheba and Saba shall offer gifts. And then in, once again in Isaiah chapter 60 and verse 6, says, The multitude of camels shall cover thee, the dromedaries of Midian and Ephah. All they from Sheba shall come, and they shall bring gold and incense, and they shall show forth the praises of the Lord. The interesting thing is, as the, the prophecies in Isaiah, the prophecies in the Psalms, uh, stating from what countries or what areas these gifts would be brought are the areas from which the wise men came. And so when the wise men come, they're fulfilling the prophecies of the Old Testament and bringing specific gifts on camels, gold, and frankincense, and myrrh. Uh, Matthew Henry's commentary on this passage in Isaiah chapter 60, he says this, The camels and the dromedaries that bring gold and incense, gold to make the altar of, incense of sweet perfumes to burn upon it, these are of Midian and Sheba, shall bring the richest commodities of their country. We often think about bringing gifts to the Lord when we want to give what's left over or what we don't really want or whatever uh, that doesn't cost us anything. The reality is the gifts that the wise men brought were the richest commodities of their country. It says not to trade. I thought this was interesting. He said they brought them not to trade with, but to honor God with. Not in small quantities, but camel loads of them. This was in part fulfilled when the wise men of the east, perhaps some of the countries which are mentioned here, drawn by the brightness of the star, came to Christ and presented to him treasures of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When we think of the wise men coming, they are bringing the finest of what they own and possess. We think of the wise men coming. They're coming in fulfillment of prophecy stating that there would be camels carrying the wise men and carrying the gifts to honor and worship the king of Israel, Jesus Christ. And so the value of the gifts that were offered. Let's consider the gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. First of all, let's consider gold. Now, gold would speak to us of his birth, of the birth of Jesus Christ. So it's just not by chance that they offer what they offer, but gold was very significant in that it would not only speak of his birth, but it would identify him as a king. The gold was a gift that you would bring to royalty. And so as they bring the gift of gold to offer to the Lord, uh, acknowledges the fact that he is king, that means he has a monarchy. Uh, you know, the kingdom of God is not a democracy, and it's not a republic. It's a monarchy. And we live our lives as Christians as if the kingdom of God was a democracy or a republic that we have decisions and choices to make in how it's to be ruled. But the reality is Jesus Christ is a king that he is the one and only one that rules and reigns. It's a monarchy, uh, monarchy which reveals to us the power by which he rules and reigns. That's why Revelation says his name shall be called 
He's the King of kings and he is the Lord of lords. That means he is the one who is absolute authority and he is the one who is absolutely the boss. And so they bring gold to present to the Lord. Not only do they bring gold, but they bring frankincense. The amazing thing of frankincense, frankincense, would, because it was a sweet-smelling uh, savor, uh, would speak of his life. Uh, Jesus Christ was born into this world to live a life that would ultimately become a sacrifice for us. But the frankincense would speak of the sweetness of his life. The Bible says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And yet we live our life completely disconnected with the goodness of God. And the frankincense that is brought before Christ by these wise men are identifying the sweetness of his life and how his life brings value and worth to each and every one of us. And so it speaks of his life. The frankincense speaks of the fact that he is the son of God. And he's not just the king of Israel. He is the eternal son of God. And uh, no man has seen God, but the only begotten hath declared him, according to John 1, 18. Uh, Jesus would identify himself to the Pharisees and Sadducees uh, that I and my father are one. And so he affirms the fact that he is the Son of God. He is the only begotten Son of God. Uh, you know, the false cults teach that, that uh, well, there's uh, the good Son who is Jesus and there's the bad Son who is Satan. That's a lie out of pits of hell. There's only one Son and it's Jesus Christ. Uh, God didn't send his only Son into this world. He sent his only begotten Son into this world. And so the frankincense speaks of the sweetness of the life of Christ and it identifies him as the Son of God, which demonstrates divinity. In other words, even though he would be in a human body, experience all the uh, uh, experiences of emotions and physical pain and hunger and sorrow that he would go through, he was still yet, when he's in his human body, divinely God walking on the face of this earth. He was 100% God while being 100% man at the same time. That being the case, then that enters us into the position of praise unto the Lord. We have something to celebrate, and that is when we think of the frankincense, that God has come, Emmanuel, God is with us, and so we praise the Lord. And we are excited about praising God, and certainly at Christmas time, uh, we're celebrating and praising God. Our cantata this afternoon is the Christmas song, and it's about praising God. And I'll tell you, the saints of God ought to have a spirit of praise because of who our God is. The frankincense that is offered is an offering of praise. So we see the gold, we see the frankincense. Then we see the myrrh. As gold would speak of his birth and frankincense would speak of his life, myrrh would speak of his death. And uh, Jesus Christ came into this world to die for us. He is our sacrifice. There is no other sacrifice that we can claim or that we can enjoy. It is Christ and Christ alone. And uh, if you're depending on anything else than Jesus Christ, then you're lost. You're without hope. And Christmas is the time to remind ourselves, to remind those around us 
that Jesus Christ came into this world to die. He is the sacrifice by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Christ once for all. And he died for all of us that we might be able to be saved. And so his sacrifice would speak of his humanity. Uh, God cannot die, but Christ in his humanity could lay down his life for you and me. Greater love, that's no man than a man should lay down his life for his friends. And Jesus took on the human body, uh, the walk on the face of this earth for that specific reason to lay down his life for you and me. The myrrh speaks of death. Christ is our sacrifice in his humanity dying in our place, the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ. And as gold speaks of power and frankincense speaks of praise, then myrrh would speak of pardon. Hallelujah this morning that we are pardoned from all of our sins because of the fact that Jesus Christ took our sins on himself and died on the cross of Calvary. And these gifts that the wise men bring identify for us uh, the, the personality and the purpose of Christ coming into this world. So we have to consider the gifts. We have to also consider the stages of the greeting. In verse 11 in our text verse, I want you to see there is a vision. It says, and when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary. Vision. You know, the Bible says where there's no vision of people perish. I really believe people are perishing today because they have no vision of God. People are perishing because they have no vision of who Christ is. I think the church, the church has lost the reality of the vision of God. I'll tell you, there would be excitement in our ranks if we had a fresh anointing of understanding who Christ is. If God would grant us a vision to be able to see the eternal Son of God according to the Scriptures, not according to some Hollywood screen, but according to what the Word of God has to say, I believe it would change our life and our, our commitment. And so it was a vision that they saw. They saw the young child and Mary, with Mary, his mother. I see the stages of greeting goes from vision to submission. Notice when they saw him there with his mother Mary, it says, and they fell down. They fell down. They were humbled in his presence. Uh, there's no arrogance and demands against God. When the wise men came, they were humbled in the presence of the God of heaven, uh, being revealed in this baby that was born, Jesus Christ, and they fall in submission to him. If we have a clear vision of who Christ is, there removes all pride in our life and brings us to a place of humility where we're willing to say as Isaiah is, here am I, Lord, send me. There is no argument against God. There is no rebellion against God. If we have a perfect vision of who God is, we fall in submission before him. So they fell down. Notice there's consecration. Because it says, when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother. That's vision. And fell down. That's humility. That's submission. And worshiped him. Notice they didn't worship Mary. They didn't worship Joseph. They didn't worship others that were around there. When they came in the presence of Jesus Christ, they fell down in a spirit of consecration unto God 
and they worship Jesus Christ. We do not worship man. We do not worship organizations. We worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Because Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto myself. And we need to stop worrying about uh, being puffed up in our pride and living in the light of the realm of acknowledging others and worshiping others. And we need to worship Christ and Christ alone. So we see this, not only the gifts that were brought, but we see the stages of greeting that was experienced. I see another thing, just the gifts that were offered of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. How does it apply to me? Uh, what does it mean to me in light of all that's taking place as they present these gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh? Once again, we'd have to consider the gold. The gold would certainly represent all of our earthly material goods. Uh, these wise men didn't bring that was that was damaged or that was that which was worthless. They brought that which was valuable to them. They brought their earthly material possessions uh, to come and worship this great king. So what does that mean to me? In other words, we worship the Lord with what I own. We don't own anything, folks. Uh, people live their life like, well, this is mine and this is God's. No, it's all God's. You own nothing. And we need to live our life in worshiping the Lord and celebrating Christmas in light of the fact that when we worship God, the gold represents everything that I have. Everything that I am is placed in the hands of God Almighty. So what I own. They offered frankincense. Frankincense would represent the incense burning up before the Lord. It certainly would speak of our devotions and literally our intercession for others. The frankincense is our devotion unto our God and uh, how we need to be offering our prayers up for one another and, and for those that are lost. Our devotion to God is based upon the sweetness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the myrrh would represent, frankincense would represent, I'm sorry, our devotion, which is who I worship. It's not just a matter of what I own, but who I worship. Uh, whatever, listen, whatever you put in front of God has become your idol. Whatever is more important to you than Jesus Christ is your idol that you have set up in your life. And it is more important for us to be devoted to our God in the realm of reading the word and the realm of praying and the realm of coming to church and worshiping the Lord. Uh, it is Christ uh, deserves and demands all our whole devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so gold is who, what I own. Frankincense is who I worship. And then in myrrh, myrrh was presented. Myrrh would be our sacrifice. In other words, our dying to ourselves. Paul says we're supposed to be to present ourselves a living sacrifice in Romans chapter 12 in verse 1. Uh, certainly over and over again, the scriptures are clear. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. The cross was a place of dying. The cross was a place of sacrifice. Over and over again through the scriptures, we see we serve the Lord by dying to self. And so 
Gold is what I own. Frankincense is what I worship, who I worship. But myrrh is how I serve. We serve with a spirit of humility. We serve as a, with a servant's heart. We literally surrender ourselves totally, completely to where our lives are not our own. And so what I own is not mine. Who I worship is completely Christ. And how do I serve him or how do I worship him? I worship him by daily sacrificing my life for his glory. And so gold and frankincense and myrrh. Well, that's all introduction. Now we'll get into the message. So in light of the gifts that they brought, in light of the gifts that they offered to Christ, what does that speak to us about the God in whom we serve? First of all, I believe it shows us that God is possessor of the earth. And uh, listen, listen uh, no one else owns the earth than our creator, Jesus Christ. Uh, he, if he is the possessor of the earth, that means he controls it. And man does not control uh, the, the weather. He doesn't control the orbit of the earth. He does not control the planets that are in the heavens. It is God who controls everything. And uh, the, the gifts that the wise men brought identify the reality of God's control over everything. In Exodus chapter 9 and verse 29, it says, And Moses said unto him, As, as uh, soon as I am gone out of the city, I will spread abroad my hands unto the Lord, and the thunder cease, shall cease, neither shall there be any more hail, that thou mayest know how that the earth is the Lord's. Moses standing before Pharaoh, Moses dealing with Pharaoh and his rebellion and disconnect with the reality of who is in control of all things, said, I'm going to pray unto God, and when I pray, the thunder is going to cease, the hail will stop, and you will know that it is the Lord who controls everything. And, uh, you know, we talk about global warming, we talk about climate change, we talk about all these things. All they are are political ploys in a politician's hand who's trying to make money. That's all it is. Because the reality is you can't change one weather pattern. The reality is you can't make the sun come up sooner or go down earlier. The reality is you cannot control the world in which we live. It is God who's in control of this world. Colossians 1.17 says, And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. It is Jesus Christ who is the one who sits on the throne of heaven, who controls everything that we face and experience in this world. So God is in control of this earth. Man is not in control of this earth. Man is not in control of his destiny. It is God who directs the paths of man. Uh, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Man doesn't decide what he wants to do, and man doesn't control the, his life that he has. It is God who is in control of all things. Uh, not only that, but I see not only does he control the earth, because he's the possessor of it, but he establishes it. In Psalm 24, verse 1 and 2, says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof 
the world and they that dwell therein, for he hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. It is God who establishes the world in which we live. And, uh, you know, there's not one thing that man can do to change the circumstances in the world. It is God and God alone that does that. Oh, you might be able to watch weather patterns. You might be able to try to predict uh, how the weather is going to uh, come out. But it's amazing to me the weatherman always gets it wrong and he still has a job. Amen. I like to have that job where 90% of the time you're wrong and you still, everybody listens to you. Amen. And it's amazing. Uh, I was thinking about the snow we had the other day, if you could call that snow. Anyway, they were going on and on about us getting one to three inches and all this, that, and the other, and trying to hype the thing up. I thought, it ain't going to do a thing. I don't believe them for a minute. And so God is the one who establishes our ways. He's the one who establishes the flow of the earth. A man may try to predict what is going on. He can't even predict it and get it right. But yet man's going to control and manipulate the, the seasons and the weather and all this, that, and the other. So God is the possessor of the earth. He controls it. He establishes it. He owns it. Nobody owns the earth. It says in Psalm 89 and 11, says, The heavens are thine. The earth also is thine. As for the world and the fullness thereof, thou hast founded them. So everything that is in this world is owned by God. You might buy, be buying your house and you might uh, be able to say, well, I own my property. I own my house. No, you don't. God owns it. He is the one who possesses the world and he is the one that owns everything that is on the face of this planet. And if we're going to worship God at Christmas like the wise men did, we're going to offer gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh in reference to Everything that I have is by the hand of God. Everything I experience is because of the grace of God. Everything that I can become is because of God. And so I'm going to bring him what I own. I'm going to bring him who I am. I'm going to worship him for who he is. And I'm going to acknowledge the fact that without God, I can do absolutely nothing. And so the wise men bring the right gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. So God is the possessor of the earth. Number two, I see that God is a supplier of my needs. And uh, if we don't live in the realm that God is supplying for our needs, uh, when everything seems to fall apart, you'll have no hope in life. And I thought of this, very simple thoughts here. God is supplier of my needs. That means he honors my tithe. You say, man, you must be a Baptist preacher. You can work in a tithe message with Christmas message, amen. <laughs> but he does. All the tithes of the land is the Lord's, it says in Leviticus 27.30. So once again, when you think of the gifts that were brought by the wise men, they brought everything that was of value and of worth that was possessed by God anyway. So our, our offerings that we bring to the Lord... God supplies for our needs based on our tithes. Uh, all the tithes of the land is the Lord's. Everything in there. And uh, Malachi speaks about the fact, where have you robbed God? He said, your tithes and your offerings. And so when we think about Christmas, Christmas is the greatest demonstration of giving the very best 
for the person who is the very worst. Jesus Christ is the glory of heaven. And God offered him as a sacrifice for wretched sinners like ourselves that we might be saved. And so Christmas is a demonstration of God's ability to provide for every need that I have. And he honors when we give our tithe. He expands my giving. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 38 says, Give and it shall be given unto you. Uh, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give into thy bosom. God expands your ability to give. We often think about Christmas as a time of giving. Oh, you know, giving is not about us getting more and more material possessions. Giving is about us honoring the Lord and helping somebody else. That's what giving is supposed to be about. It is not about going out on Black Friday and spending all money that you don't have so to get all the deals that aren't deals so you can feel good about giving somebody for Christmas, something for Christmas. That is not what Christmas is about. It is about expanding our opportunities to be able to give, to be able to be a help to others, and with no regard of how we're going to be able to do that because we know that God because he possesses everything, can supply for my every need. I thought that was good preaching, but I'll go on. God is a supplier of my needs because he honors my tithe, he expands my giving, and he rewards my offerings. And Philippians 4, uh, 19 tells us that my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. And so God can reward our offerings. God will acknowledge our sacrifices. God will honor the gifts that were given. God accepted, received, and acknowledged the gifts that the wise men give of gold and frankincense and myrrh. God would pin it down in the scriptures that this is the gifts that they offered. And so God is the supplier of my needs. He is the possessor of the earth. And then I see this, that God is the sustainer of my life. You see these gifts being offered of gold and frankincense and myrrh, they identify the reality that God can sustain your life. He is my creator. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, it says, God said, let us make man in our image. The reality is that God has created you in his image. All this foolishness today about transgenderism and all this, that, and the other, it is nothing more than a denial that God, who is a God of all wisdom and all care and all blessing, who is the possessor of the earth, heavens and earth, and the one who can provide for all of our needs, has created you in his image. Amen. You don't decide you're going to be something else. Because when you decide you're going to be something else, what you're doing is lashing out that God uh, is not gracious enough to create you and how he wants you to be. He's my creator. Christians need to get back into the realm of identifying the fact that God is the creator of all things. And he has created you in his image. Not only that, but he is my protector. The Apostle Paul would state, if God be for us, who can stand against us? Uh, the reality is, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And so we need God to protect us. 
Uh, Bible prophecy is being fulfilled all the time. Uh, in America, it is constantly, the Bible prophecy deals with the fact that one day is going to be a one world government and every individual is going to be under the control of the Antichrist. And if you don't take the mark of the beast, you cannot function. You can't have a business. You can't buy food. You can't provide for your family. That's what it's going to be like during the tribulation period. We are already in the spirit of Antichrist. With this foolishness, Bill just went through uh, with this immunizations. I'm sorry, but the government has no right to interject something in your body that you don't want. Uh, my question is, is what's in the needle? Don't tell me, oh, it's just that and the other. Well, you need to have immunizations. Hey, I was immunized as a child for measles. And when I was in the Marine Corps in boot camp, I got measles. So I don't know what was in the needle when they immunized me. That's not in my message, but I thought about it. You say, well, that's wrong. What's wrong with you? Yeah, you probably is. God is the sustainer of my life. Government is not the sustainer of our lives. The government is not to dictate how you raise your children. The government is not to decide that you can't function as a business because you're functioning in light of Christian morals. The government has no right to do that. I don't understand why we are willing to surrender to it. It is because of the fact that we have lost the sight that God can take care of us. God can provide for my needs. He can protect me when it's necessary. He is the one who created me. He knows my weaknesses. He knows what my strengths are. He puts the desires in my heart to delight myself in him. And I'm telling you, everything that I need, everything that I can enjoy, everything I can experience that is positive and good is based upon the fact that God is a sustainer of my life. And you say, how do you know that? Because the wise men brought gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. So he's my creator. He's my protector. Hallelujah. He's my savior. Amen. Jesus came into this world to be the savior of this world. Jesus said, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck out of my hands. You never perish. You say, well, what if this happens? It says, never perish. Oh, well, maybe well, I can lose my salvation. He says, I've come to give you eternal life. He didn't say, I've come to give you temporary life. He is my, my Savior is strong enough and great enough and merciful enough and gracious enough not only to deliver my soul from the bondage of sin and the torments of hell, but to keep me in a position of protection and safety for all eternity. And the gold and frankincense and myrrh that was brought by the wise men uh, declares the reality that Jesus is a Savior that you can be secure in. And so he brought gold and frankincense and myrrh. This Christmas season, what gifts are you going to bring to the Lord? This Christmas season, what are you going to offer unto the Lord? You're going to give yourself unto Christ? I remember years ago I was reading a, 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 a missionary. On, I would even forget where the missionary was. This must be 30 years ago I read this story. Missionary on one of the fields was taking up an offering in the church that he had started 
and literally in the church where he was at was somewhere in Africa. Uh, people would bring animals, they'd bring grain, they would bring, they didn't have money like we have money, they would bring offerings to the Lord and sacrificial offerings. And they had a basket up in the front here and they would put all their offerings in the basket. And this young fellow came up and he put the basket on the floor and he stood in the basket. And the preacher said, what are you doing? He says, I have nothing to give. I own nothing, I possess nothing, so I'm giving myself. What gift are you bringing to Christ? What celebration are you going to have in reference to Christmas? What distraction, what are you going to allow to come in your life that draws you away, your attention away from Christ this Christmas? These wise men were focused, committed, dedicated, determined that they were going to come into the presence of Jesus Christ. And their life was never the same. And here it is, two, some 2,000 years later, and we're talking about the gifts they brought of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Let's pray. My Father, I come to you. I thank you so much for the great salvation that you have offered. I'm thankful, Lord. I really am thankful that Jesus came uh, to die to deliver my wretched soul. I'm thankful that I have hope in my God. I'm thankful, Lord, that in a world that is seemingly falling apart in every aspect of life, there is security and safety by trusting the Lord as our Savior. I pray, Lord, it might be somebody here who's never been saved. I pray these gifts that were offered will help them to understand how important it is for them to surrender their life to Christ and Christ alone. I pray that you might save them this morning. I pray for every believer uh, that they might see uh, the sacrifice, the dedication, the blessing, the reward, the excitement that took place in the life of the wise men as they offered these gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Stir us with a new vision uh, challenge us, Lord, with a new desire. Fill us, Lord, with the joy of celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's